Hey guys, how's it going? This is Miguel with SoCal Watch Reviews, and uh, this is the SoCal Watch Reviews podcast. Uh, P. Ross couldn't make it today, but I got a very special guest, a, a good friend of mine. I've known this guy for a year, going on a year, over a year. Uh, yeah, I don't know. maybe a bit more, over a year. Maybe a little bit more now. So uh, he is a fellow YouTuber, and he's been on some really big podcasts, and he's been on our podcast before. So this is his second time, I believe. And it's uh, right, Simon. Yeah. Simon Scapeman24, how are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm really good, Miguel. I'm really, really good to see you. And thanks so much for having me on the show again. I was actually only thinking earlier that it's almost exactly a year to the week since the last time I was on the show. Oh, no way, really? Oh, man, yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. So I was on the show last, the end of March, and it was just after, it was all that Moonswatch stuff. So I'd been oh. to London, <laughs> and I'd literally come back from London and the next day recorded the show with you. Yeah, that's crazy. And and I mean, I, I love talking to you and I would love to have you on more often. But the thing is, we don't record weekly anymore. And this has been kind of crazy, right? And sometimes we have guests, sometimes we don't. And then I, I always forget. I'm like, who can I call that could be available? And it always says yes. And I I just honestly, everything's so last minute most of the, most of the time. It didn't used to be that way. It was a lot more structured back in the day when I started. But things have gotten a little crazy you know so i we do things last minute a lot of times if i'm being honest so yeah but, hey, you know look you're you're a busy guy and you're pushing a lot of content out there's been some great content on your channel i've seen it i mean how you manage to generate so much content in such a short space of time it really inspires me <laughs> it's hard man and to be honest with you i kind of pumped the brakes uh, i used to do my spanish channel the English channel mm -hmm. and the podcast and on top of that, Instagram and all that stuff. So I stopped the Spanish stuff. It was just a little too much for me. So I focus more on the English channel podcast. We do yeah. whenever we have time to be honest with you. And, and it sucks because it, it really kind of, it, it, it hurt our growth. Uh, but by me focusing more on the channel, actually, I keep growing a little bit more, you know, um, but, but you inspire me as well. And I, I, it goes both ways, man. I don't want you to think that, uh, when, when you talk to somebody that, that has more subscribers than you, which I do all the time and they don't reciprocate and they just kind of take it all in, it kind of comes across weird or the wrong way because it, it goes both ways, right? We should all inspire each other. It yeah. doesn't matter how big or how small you are. Everybody has their own individual talents and things they're good at and things they're not good at. You know what I mean? So, uh, you've been on the blog to watch. That's amazing. Every time I, I, I listen to that podcast, I'm inspired because I'm like, man, I know that guy. I, I've known that guy since he started his <laughs> channel and to see that the progression you've had and you're not even done. I mean, you got so much to go, so much growth, uh, you know. Well, I hope so. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean yeah, I, I, you know, the this last year has been um, such a huge learning curve. So I literally started the channel 14 months ago. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I remember doing that for a show with you. And I think yeah. I had about 600 subscribers at that point, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and it was, uh, you know, my big goal at that time was to get to a thousand subs, you know, yeah. right? if we can get to a yeah. thousand, that'd be cool. Um, and um, yeah, I think 
think uh, in the last year, I think I'm just over 3,000 now, which is tiny still. Um, But it feels like there's traction. I'm getting some great opportunities, some amazing collaborations, and just feel very, very lucky to be able to do what I do. Absolutely. So I know you you collaborated uh, Oris, right? Oris is on the list. Uh, who yeah. else, if you don't mind telling? Uh, so no, that, that's it? fine. Um, so yeah, I've done a couple of things with Oris and some more stuff in the pipeline. Um, in fact, probably in the next few weeks, going to be doing something else with those guys. Very nice. Um, and they're they're like super. You know, they're such a cool brand in terms of the people are just really, really easygoing, really helpful, um, and just so supportive. Um, done quite a bit of stuff with Alpina. Um, had a few of their models to review on the channel. Very cool. Um, last year. Um, and uh, did something with Bamford Watch Department. Uh, oh, that's right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. So um, that, that was such a cool opportunity. Got to go down to to their HQ in London and spend some time with George Bamford. Um, and that was really, really good. Um, right now, Bell and Ross I'm doing some stuff with. So wow, in fact, cool. actually wearing one of their pieces now. I don't know if you'll be able to. Yeah, I can see it. That's pretty cool. It's too well on. Yeah, camera, I can see it. That's pretty that's, cool. Uh, Skeleton Golden, BRO5. Um, and I'm actually um, having some great conversations at the moment with Breitling and uh, going to be doing something with them within the next probably three to four weeks. Man, I need, we need to talk. We need to talk once this finishes because you are collaborating <laughs> with a lot of people. I think uh, the, the main focus for me throughout the four years, I've been doing YouTube for four years, has been a lot of micro brands because I... Mm. I have never really reached out to big brands, to be honest with you. It's it's been Timex is the only one that I've collaborated with. And it was because they found me on Instagram somehow. I don't know how that even happened, to be honest with you, but I, I collaborated with them. And and as a matter of fact, they're sending me another watch, which is cool. And I, I love working with Timex, obviously an American company and, and a lot of history. But yeah, I would love to partner up. Oh, and I've said it on the on another podcast. I actually uh, partnered up with Nomos, so they're sending in mm-hmm. some stuff. Uh, I'm waiting for the for the shipment to arrive. So that they've been really cool. But yeah, I've never collaborated with all the people that you collaborated with, and I love Oris. I, I used to own a vintage Oris, got rid of it. But yeah, man, I I uh, I, I appreciate Oris. Now, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about the new releases, but there's one in particular that. I don't know how I feel about, but, uh, but yeah. Um, the Kermit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. congrats on all your success. Yeah. If there's, before we get into watches and wonders 2023 and our thoughts on some of the releases, uh, what is one piece of advice or a few pieces of advice you have for anybody thinking of starting a YouTube channel? The the best piece of advice, and I'm sure that you gave me this advice when okay. I was in the early days starting my channel. Um, but it was just, do it. Don't don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. Just do it. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is is don't give up. Um, actually, there are three things. The third thing, and this is something I try really hard to do, is to always. I'm very self-critical of my own work, so I watch my stuff back quite a lot, and I always yeah. look at the comments. And whenever someone criticizes it, you know, rather than going, "Oh, they're just trolling me," and you know, oh, "I hate this guy." I actually take it on board and think, okay, well, how can I learn from that? How can I do better? Yeah. And you're not going to please everyone. Right. So that's that's fine. I completely get that. But, you know, I mean, I went through a big learning curve with trying to get my audio to sound better. And, you know, used to get a lot of comments, oh, your audio is really, really bad. Um, so, you know, th- uh, that was something that I took on board and fixed. 
Um, and, you know, so I think it's just, yeah, just keep trying to improve. Just keep at it. And every time you create some content, think, how can I do it better next time? That's great piece of advice. Yeah, the the biggest piece of advice is, <clears throat> excuse me, so, what you said is just do it because it's never going to be perfect, yeah. right? And you, yeah, I know you aspire to be like Adrian or Teddy with like the perfect lighting and the perfect setup. But what people need to realize is these people, A, have been doing it for a long time and B, they either have a big team behind them or they have a lot of money behind them. So they got really nice yeah. equipment. Yeah. They got, they know what they're doing. So you don't have to worry about that. And to, to be honest with you, most of our cell phones are capable. You is, do get a microphone, yeah. But a camera, you got your cell phone. Start there. And then if you get better, then invest in a camera. You know what I mean? And and the main thing you need to invest in is the time to figure out how you could come across as somebody that's relatable and uh, the topics that you talk about, right? It has to be interesting because your quality could be subpar. But if you're, you're, what you're talking about is amazing, people are going to listen. Like Federico talks watches. His stuff is not great. It's just he's just behind the camera. But what he has to say, people listen because there's a lot of knowledge, you know? So, Absolutely. And, and that's the most important thing. Content is king, as I said. Yeah, no, 100%. All right, cool. So uh, Watches and Wonders 2023. Do you know when this show started a year ago, two years ago? It's it's fairly oh, new. Gosh, this was, yeah, it is. Was it 21 maybe was the first year? I, I think so. I think so. So uh, noticeably absent, the Swatch group, of course, a lot of people were thinking, well, where's Swatch, yeah. right? Where's where's Omega? And including myself, but then I remembered like, oh, that's right. They're not part of this uh, elite group for whatever reason, then they do their own thing, which is cool. It's interesting, but I don't disagree with uh, what, what they did. And the reason why is because we were just talking before we started recording and it's like, what brands are we going to talk about? Like the spotlight literally was Rolex and Tudor, right? And and yeah. sprinkled here Oris and a little bit of Grand Seiko and uh, and it's just like yeah, the 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 crown basically, <laughs> the crown and the shield yeah. basically took the took the whole spotlight. So uh, how do you feel about that? Do you think Omega should have been on the show or? Well, I mean, I, I guess that. I don't, I don't know if the viewers will know this, but um, Watch Some Wonders was started and I think it's still organised by Richemont Group, right. who own Mont Blanc and a handful of other brands. Sure. Um, and I guess that Omega didn't feel that they either wanted to be part of that club or that it was maybe the, the best business move for them. Um, so they do their own thing. And I'm surprised that they haven't brought some new releases out um, just ahead of Watch Some Wonders because they did last year. Oh, they yeah, they did. Whole these are novelties, um, as well as a moon swatch. Yeah. Um, but we we might just see something. I mean, if they haven't brought some things out before the show, it makes me think they're going to bring some things out in a few weeks' time once all the buzz of the show has calmed down. So I think we'll see some new stuff from Omega. Okay. Well, I mean, they tried the moonshine, but that I, I think uh, that backfired on them a little bit, you know? Uh, and yeah. It could, but last year they had an amazing year. I mean, the, the moon swatch quite literally created so much buzz that everybody even during the show was still talking about the moon swatch uh and as a matter of fact i've heard some stories that during the show if you had a moon swatch you were the cool kid in town you know um i don't think that's the case <laughs> this time around i've never heard anybody say i got the moonshine How about that huh <laughs> uh, it's like what no that's weird yeah <laughs> but yeah. um 
I guess let's let's get into the big guys, right? Let's let's get into the into the topic of the of the of Rolex, and then we'll go into Tudor and maybe sprinkle some some other ones. We are limited mm. on time, but uh, Rolex. Were, were you surprised with some of the releases? Were you underwhelmed? So I think that um, so last year was interesting because I think that Rolex was almost uh, overshadowed by Tudor. So Tudor had yeah. some great releases last year. They had that Black Bay Pro, which I bought. They had the um, Root Beer GMT, right. another really, really solid release, and a handful of other things. And I think they captured a lot of the limelight. Mm -hmm. um, Rolex, if you remember last year, yeah, they had that updated Air King, yeah, um, but it was really uh, subtle changes. I Nobody guess you'd cared. Say. I mean, it wasn't yeah. you know, yeah, it was an evolution of of the model, but it wasn't one of their big selling models anyway. Right. Um, they did that strange lefty GMT. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, how could uh, I forget? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, and and that was, I mean, <laughs> I immediately when I saw that, I just thought that is such a lazy release because they literally just rotated the case and, and the movement in it, obviously. Um, and but I could understand in some ways why, because if you think these brands, their R and D pathway is probably two to three years. Yeah. So you know they're working on watches now that they'll probably release in two years' time, maybe right. three years' time. And a lot of these big brands, of course, were impacted by COVID and the COVID right. lockdowns. Yeah, for sure. And I think that this year is really the first year that we're actually seeing some of these giants in the industry actually releasing truly new and um, really, you know, pieces that have, that really develop their brands and take, and take them to another place. Um, and I think that's certainly true of Rolex. I think Rolex rushed out that left-hand um, GMT last year to have something that would create some buzz. That's that's my that's my view anyway. I don't disagree um, with you. I was I was really surprised to be honest with you that they didn't uh make a normal GMT this year with that bezel. I mean they did release a GMT but it wasn't that. Uh yeah. I think that bezel is very attractive. That sprite and the black and the green I I I mm. I actually do like it, but I don't like the whole left-handed thing. It's it's just weird to me. <sighs> if the crown was on the opposite side but the date window was how it's supposed to be i think it would have been okay right almost like a tutor uh yeah. left hand but the fact that the date's on the other side it really messes with you for whatever reason you know so i'm not i'm 100%. not a fan of that watch but uh yeah let's talk to some of the releases they they had uh we'll, we'll leave the weird ones uh last but let's start mm -hmm. off with the watch that i own so i own an explorer one um and i own the 36 millimeter i think it's Almost the perfect watch, almost perfect everyday watch. The proportions are amazing. How do you feel about the 40? Were people asking for a 40? They had a 39 and people were still on the fence about that. So why make yeah. it 40? Exactly. I mean, I think if you've got a 39, does that one millimeter really make all the difference? Um, <laughs> they didn't really, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they change really anything else about the watch. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Aside from the size, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know, and, and I just think that that was um, typical Rolex really, isn't it? You know, just a, a very small incremental change. Um, you know, they, they almost have tried every single size for that watch. Over <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe next year we'll get a 44 mil version or something. Man, I I th in my opinion, they should have done maybe like a 36 uh, in gold, just, instead of the two-tone you know they had the two-tone at some point maybe do yeah. a 36 in gold 
That would have been amazing. I think that would have been a and the rose, stopper. rose gold would have been yeah beautiful for sure. No, for um, sure. And it would have been a very much a unisex watch as well. You know, in that thirty-six yeah. mil size. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and 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 just like the their their brother Tudor, imagine if they released uh, an Explorer with the option of like a, a rubber strap, that would have been pretty cool. Would have been different. I mean, it's an everyday watch, but I don't know if that would ever happen. I I, I think that'd be pretty cool though, but uh, at a more affordable rate, I don't know. But uh, yeah, a, a, a gold Explorer would have been really cool. But forty millimeter, I don't know. <laughs> I don't no, know about that. No, and it it didn't really it didn't get me excited. I'd say. I like the watch. It's, I don't, I mean, I've never owned an Explorer. Um, don't really know whether it's quite my style. I, I don't know whether it sort of suits me, if you like, yeah. that, that mm -hmm. kind of um, look. Because um, it's quite, it's quite dressy. Um, I know it's a tool watch, essentially, kind of, yeah. but it's quite a dressy tool watch. Yeah. Um, and um, whenever I see photos of it, I always go, ah, oh, that looks amazing. But then I see other things that I think would probably suit me better. So that one didn't really get me too excited. The one that really did uh, like my five was that Yachtmaster in RLX Titanium. Okay. Uh, I think that that was a real hit. I I don't disagree with you. I don't like it, but I don't disagree with you. I think uh, a lot of people are definitely talking about it, especially uh, I, I'm looking at it now. Uh, it's titanium for me just never hits for whatever reason i've wanted to own a, a grand seiko the uh, cherry blossom but i'll forget the reference number mm -hmm. and i didn't pull the trigger because of the color of the titanium there's something about stainless steel that just shines really nice and titanium for whatever reason is just very dull but i get it this is huge for rolex i mean obviously they released that monstrosity a mm -hmm. few uh months ago with the deep sea challenge or whatever and that thing looks hideous so the fact that they have something like this, a lot more wearable, it's cool. I don't, I'm not a fan. It's a very kind of matte color, but uh, it looks pretty cool. I guess it looks different enough, right? Uh, and and you got to give it to them. I mean, for trying something different. So, what what, what can you mm -hmm. tell us about it, uh, Simon? Aside from the fact that it's titanium. Well, this was a, a watch that actually um, they they didn't really they created a concept of, um, and Sir Ben Ainsley, the yachtsman, was photographed wearing it. Um, I think 18 months ago, possibly two years ago. Um, so this watch has been in the on the drawing board for quite some time. Um, mm. And so they've now released it. Um, I was surprised actually that the concept that was photographed, the one that Sir right. Ainsley was, surprised how similar this release is to that watch. I mean, you know, they've really because um, often you know the the final production version of something changes quite a lot from the concept version of it. Um, you certainly see that in the in the car world, in the automobile world. Right. You see these crazy concept cars, and then the one that actually gets released is it's not like different. that, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but this is pretty faithful. I mean, it's forty two millimeters. Uh, Use RLX titanium. Uh, it's got a matte black um, bezel with the obviously the, the, the kind of Yachtmaster uh, raised markings on it. It's got a very matte dial um, to it. Uh, it's yeah. I think this is a, a very very. I think it's a very solid release actually from them yeah and the price i mean it's not bad if you could get it right it's like 14 fourteen thousand dollars 1450 so yeah i don't i i think this is a great release yeah. for somebody that doesn't want to go down the samariner route uh so it's cool good luck anyone but uh <laughs> exactly i i think it's pretty yeah. cool in in the sense that they tried something different uh in the looks department is definitely not for me 
but I do like that bezel with the race numbers. That's pretty cool. I, I, I do like that. Uh, another one is that I don't know much about is the Sky Dweller. Uh, I know they released a new Sky Dweller. Yeah. What's so different about that one? Do you know? Because I don't, I don't, they all look the same to me, to be honest with you. It's just new colors, I guess. Yeah. I, th I think it's new colors. I think it's new dial colors, um, primarily with the Sky Dweller. Um, I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think they've upgraded the movement. Um, a very good friend of mine has got a Sky, sky Dweller um, oh, cool. in a yellow gold on a rubber strap, a rubber bracelet, as um, Oyster Flex, as Rolex call it. And it's, it's a watch that never really um, spoke to me that much. I think it's a kind of a strange, um, slightly odd-looking piece, really, because you've got that fluted bezel. Um, you know, and it, yeah. But I have to say, seeing it in the flesh, um, I tried on the, the one that my friend's got, and it really is impressive on the it's wrist. It's cool. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so they, I mean, it, they released a white gold uh, version, I think, and an Everose uh, version and some new dial colors. I mean, they look yeah. interesting. I do got to give it to Rolex. I mean, this is one of the most complicated watches, and I know you set it by rotating the mm -hmm. bezel, right? Something like that. So, uh, pretty cool. I mean, not not bad. Nothing exciting. I mean, it looks to me this this uh, Sky Dweller has never really appealed to me that much, to be honest with you. But uh, but it's cool. I, I guess it's cool that they that they offer it. Uh, and moving on, a piece that I know my friend P Ross absolutely love, and I was surprised. I was like, what the heck? The Perpetual 1908, their dress watch, the new Cellini, right? So the Cellini, they dropped the yeah, Cellini yeah. and they put this this guy out. I'm not a dress watch kind of guy, but I could appreciate this from afar. Uh, how do you feel about this uh, 1908? Yeah, I, I can appreciate this, actually. Um, I'm, I mean, let's, let's just get this straight. I'm not a huge Rolex guy by any means. I'm not a Rolex fanboy at all. And um, But I, actually, I think they've, yeah, I think this is solid. I think it's a nice um development from the Cellini line I suppose um you know they've it's a nice dress watch I think it's attractive um I think it'll I think it'll do better than the Cellini did oh 100 yeah I I don't disagree with that yeah. and uh something that I like seeing this year uh is uh display case backs exhibition case backs so this one has it and the Daytona has it we'll get to that one this one does feature mm -hmm. a new caliber, the seventy one forty. This uh, this Rolex is nineteen oh eight. It does come in in several uh, colors, right, or finishings, I guess. But they're all, correct me if I'm wrong, all precious metals. I believe it's either white gold or the rose gold, the ever ever rose, whatever they call it. Um, I think it's really cool. It's an attractive watch. Something that really was striking right away to me was the numerals, right? The the twelve, the three, the nine. It reminds me of a Rolex uh, 1016, the 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 numbers, yeah, the, yeah. the shape of the numbers a little bit, especially that nine, that open nine. Uh, I've always, yeah. I'm a sucker for uh, running seconds and they have the running seconds at the six o'clock. Mm. Uh, something that I, I think David and uh, and Rick discussed from a blog to watch, they were talking about that, that hand, right? It's like an open hand. It, it's almost like... Uh, the Mercedes hand didn't fit and they said, you know what, just punch a hole through it because that's basically what it is, right? Uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. Yeah. I, and I like the little fluted bezel around that. Um, I think it's an attractive watch. I think it looks very nice. If I was going to pick one, I would go with the white gold. Uh, which one was it? The white gold with like the... Yeah, there you go. White gold with kind of like a black dial. I think that's very attractive. Mm -hmm. It looks very nice. Um, very cool. I, I'm very surprised to see that uh daytona so daytona was a it was a big year for the daytona right it was their anniversary yeah big anniversary yep 
big anniversary. 70 years, I think. So Cosmograph Daytona. So the the 60th, 60th anniversary for them. 60th. Yeah. yeah. So before we talk about the big, uh, the big boy, the the platinum version, let's talk about the regular versions, right? The the panda, the reverse panda. Um, actually, it's not the reverse panda. It's the black dial. What's so new about those? Yeah. They just changed the bezel, right? Now they has kind of it lives like in a little uh, piece of metal, right? So it has like yeah. edges, and they have. Yeah, they've also tweaked the dial. I think the uh, they are quite subtle changes to the dial, but the subdial is a slightly different design. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they, I believe that they've upgraded the movement in this, haven't they? They did. They did. Yeah, they upgraded the movement on this. They as did. Well. Yeah. So it's, I'm sure it's an upgraded movement, and of course now has a display case back. Um, so it's one of the few Rolex pieces, as you mentioned a moment ago, that actually has a display case back. Well, not all of them. Only the I think that's uh, cool. only the platinum version. So only the anniversary. Uh, the platinum does, yes. Yeah, all the other ones yes. still stay yeah. the same. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I like Rolex, but I'm not a huge fan like some people are. So to me, when I look at the normal Rolexes, uh, the uh, white and the black dial, they look the same to me, <laughs> except for the bezel. Now, mm-hmm. of course, it looked more like a Zenith uh, Daytona with that with that kind of look. But I do see the little sub dial, so the where the tachometer is and all that does look a little different they look smaller to me for whatever reason i'm not not a huge fan of it um i don't know whatever but i i think that platinum one is is definitely pretty cool i love that exhibition case back it's it's rolex almost flexing their muscles finally and saying look we actually do create really beautiful movements i think it looks pretty cool um how do you feel about a display case back yeah, I think I think it's a great move actually to do the display case back. Um, I think that the case on the Daytona is also now slightly different too. So I, I think, think the so. movement has allowed them to to just slim down the case slightly, um, which now I I never really thought that the Daytona's case was too thick in the first place. Right? Maybe some yeah. people did, um, but uh, the, I've only worn one and tried one on a couple of times, and, and those times it never struck me as being a thick watch. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you. I uh I I mean I've never really held a Daytona in hand. Uh and I never really aspired to own one for whatever reason. They're okay. Not a huge chronograph kind of guy. But uh I think it looks pretty cool. I, I think uh that uh, anniversary edition is cool. Uh do you know the price of it? Because I'm on their website and I'm trying to find it and it, this is the thing about some watch brands and some of their websites that I just getting information sometimes is a little hard. <laughs> Especially on yeah, the fly, yeah. right? No, but uh, but I don't I don't yeah, know. I don't price. know the price off uh, offhand, but um, but yeah, it's. I mean, the the Daytona was certainly in the UK. The Daytona was about twenty four thousand pounds. So the the regular Daytona, the regular Daytona was. So I'm not sure what the price is on this new anniversary one. Okay, um, well, I mean it's platinum, so I'm 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 assuming I'm assuming it's expensive because I'm I'm okay. I'm on the Rolex website and it says. Price on requests. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, expensive. That tells That's you all you need to know. That that tells us all we need to know. So, okay, moving on. We got another one is the GMT Master 2. That one's cool. I like that one. How do you feel about this new uh, this new bezel color? It's a black and gray, correct? Yeah, well, they've done a, um, black golden bezels, I think, haven't they, um, on it's- this one? Yeah, I think I think it's uh rose gold, right? So it's it's two versions that look uh yeah. 
what do they call it? Yellow Rollisaur Roll and uh, Ever Rose. Yeah. So which one did they? Which one did they release? They release the the Ever Rose Gold, right? Uh, is that the one there was? I, I believe that there's a, um, a I believe there's a two tone and there's a yellow gold, right? And it was a, it was in a oyster and a jubilee, correct? Yeah, I'm looking yes. at it now. Yeah, it's that's right. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know this is. Um, I think look, gold is big, isn't it? I mean, you know, it certainly. Is. It is. I think yeah. it's yeah, certainly yellow gold. I think is the the kind of color of of the season, I guess, um, or for this year. Yeah. Going back to the um, 80s, so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Inevitably, this is gonna, you know, that, look, Rolex sell every single watch they make anyway. Um, so trying to say that this can be a big seller is almost like a, you know, um, it's an understatement really, because it will be. <laughs> it's an understatement. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, but I think this is going to be a, a popular release for them. I think it will do really well. So the question for you is: Do you go Jubilee or do you go Oyster? Which one do you prefer? I'm a more of an oyster bracelet guy. Okay. Um, so yeah, Jubilee doesn't really sing to me. Um, actually, I think I don't know. I'm not sure why. I think I'll, I just like the simplicity of the oyster bracelet. I think that works really well. Understood. Understood. I'm looking at the pricing of the Jubilee one, and it's almost forty thousand dollars. It's thirty-eight thousand nine hundred. But of course, that's if you can get it at retail. Chances are, prices are going to skyrocket. I love the bezel color, the black and the gray. I think it plays very, very well with with the all gold. Um, I think this is a hit. I think for me, the the GMT Master Two, GMT Master Two is where pretty nice on my wrist, and I have a, a smaller wrist, a little bigger than six and a half. I tried my buddy's Batman, and I was pretty impressed. Now they definitely were like sports watches, of course. They're they're not um, they're not understated. But they're not overly big, so it's just that perfect blend that that Rolex does. I don't know how they do it, but I I, I think GMT Master for me at least, I I definitely uh I definitely like it. Now, are we missing anything? Date just that they release anything crazy? No. Um. So we've they've got of course the new OP and yeah the, yeah yeah um, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that because the, the day date, yeah. <laughs> yeah but I, I think before we get into those anything yeah. else did we did we miss anything I, I have no idea i don't i don't think so i don't i don't think we've i don't think we've missed anything i think we've covered the big ones there okay cool 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 yeah ever yeah so the ones missing are the day date and the op so let's get into the op so when rolex released those cool colors uh people were going nuts right and then someone got discontinued was it the red i forgot which one's got yeah. discontinued the yellow i i forget which one's got discontinued but uh obviously rolex discontinuing something means prices are going to skyrocket and the tiffany yeah. proves to be the 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 hottest one of the bunch uh buddy of mine just got one i think it's cool and i think it's priced fairly at retail prices i think anything above the retail price is ridiculous i, I wouldn't recommend anybody pick one up for $20,000, $10,000 is just not worth it. It's an entry level Rolex for $10,000. Um, you could pick up so many cool watches, right? But, Absolutely. Um, but nonetheless, it's an investment piece, right? Because if you're able to pick up uh, even a Tiffany at 10000 that's a value because you could immediately flip it. But again, this is not a financial kind of podcast. Uh, but what they did is something very interesting. They released uh, Oyster Perpetual with all the dial colors in them uh uh and um i don't know how do you feel about this man 
<laughs> I think uh, I think on that particular day, I think the designer ate too many M and M's and threw up <laughs> over the sketches. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, you know, look on one hand, I, I love the fact that Rolex has kind of um, almost you know they've just done something a little bit crazy. Yeah, and you know, a big part of me really likes that because it's such a you know they they are such a conservative brand. Yeah, you know, yeah and they right. they they typically. Um, move forward in their designs so subtly and so incrementally and you know mm-hmm. it's like they'll release a new dial color or they'll change a, a size by a millimeter or something you know so to do something like this i think is really bold and really brave and you know on one hand i really love that they've done it i just think it shows a mm-hmm. slightly fun side to the brand that we haven't really seen before i don't think and on the other hand i kind of think yeah it's not for me <laughs> yeah no definitely i mean it, it's a celebration motif that's what they're calling it it does come in 31 36 and 41 so that's pretty cool they're de- definitely committed to this I, I i don't disagree with what you said um i think it's it's cool to see that playful side of rolex as just uh it it, it it gives a hint as to what's to come in the future and that could be pretty cool because we get to see some things that we never thought rolex would ever do because they're kind of like that older man you know that they're set in their ways and you're, you're like but look this is a new cell phone and they're like ah, get out of here you know i'm still using my landline <laughs> and the next thing you know they got the latest iphone and you're like what i was not expecting that that's pretty cool you're open to it so in in that sense i think it's pretty cool but it is an ugly execution if i'm being honest it looks like a like a five-year-old designed it right it's just a bunch of bubble gums in there or balloons or I think it's not a great look, but I respect it. And especially the price. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think it doesn't feel quite befitting of the brand. So I think they could have done something fun or mm-hmm. a little bit more irrever- irreverent uh, is the right word, but um, but still something I think that was very fitting for Rolex and that this doesn't quite feel fitting for them. It feels like there's a mismatch here somewhere. Um, and I guess moving on to that day date, which I think is just hilarious because it's a, a day date that has neither a day nor a date. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God, is the emoji watch, right? Oh, God. I, yeah, I, yeah. I thought it was a joke. I saw that and I was like, oh, somebody probably photoshopped it or it's it's definitely not mm-hmm. real. I mean, the other one, for whatever reason, I was more believable for me, that, that um, celebration dial. But yeah, this one, I was like, oh, it's probably like a custom build by somebody. And then I'm like, Wait a minute, they're 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 serious about it. It's it, it it has emojis and it says love and it has hearts and happy faces. I'm like, and and puzzle pieces on the dial. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so yeah. how do you? Yeah. What, what, were you? It's, it's fair to say that you were more surprised about this uh, uh, day date. Uh, what what are they calling it? I'm I'm on their website. I can't even find it. I'm just looking at all the gem set uh, pieces that they offer, but. Uh, I don't even know what they call this one, but uh, how do you, how do you feel about that one, man? No, I, I should have I should have probably um, researched this one before we came on air, but um, <laughs> so I don't know what it's called either. But, but that's how much interest I really got in this piece, I guess. Um, it's, none, <laughs> none. <laughs> yeah. Now, look, I mean, again, they will sell every single one they can. Oh, of make. course, there'll be no issues with that, you know, and this will be. I'm sure on the secondary market, the prices will go absolutely through the roof um, because it's just such an oddity. 
and it's something they may never do again you know so this in terms of investment pieces you know wow if you could get your hands on one of these i'm sure that this would be a piece oh, of yeah. really skyrocketing price um but look um I, it's not something that um has a huge amount of interest for me um if i was a you know maybe a film producer or a rapper or something and i you know could afford to throw out much of this costs at one and you could get one Although if you were a film producer or a rapper, I guess you probably got the connections <laughs> that could get you one. <laughs> then, um, then you know, it's the kind of thing I'd probably buy my wife. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, I, 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 I know it's kind of hard because we're here kind of criticizing things, but it's based on images and some of the videos, obviously, in hand. Maybe it's amazing. Maybe it's a really cool emoji watch. And, and the question really is, um, I know Rolex kind of started the trend for the rainbow. Right. They they released a rainbow Daytona. I think that's a pretty yeah. cool watch. It's a pretty flex watch. So the question is, mm -hmm. are other brands going to follow suit with this emoji uh watch? I know Richard Meal has an emoji watch, right? I think they do. They do, yeah. Um so is this uh Rolex kind of copying them or are they kind of starting a trend and kind of saying, This is cool, let's everybody do an emoji watch. I hope I don't see more companies doing this because I think it's kind of weird, mm -hmm. uh, especially because they just look so childish, in my opinion. The execution is done very nicely. I don't I, I, I am looking at the dial now and they're not just printed on it. It almost seems like they're actually engraved like the puzzle pieces. So I, I think it's uh, mm -hmm. it's not a, a bad finishing, if you will. But just this is weird to me. But uh, anyway. Let's move on to Tudor, man. I, that, that's, that's probably the watch that brand that you relate the most to and I relate the most to. Uh, we're Tudor yeah. bros, as, as we call it. So <laughs> let's let's talk about Tudor. Let's start off with the with the smaller pieces, uh, the prints, right? So I think uh, for now, is it, is it fair to say they all have the in-house movement, right? The Is it the Kinesi yeah. movement? Yes, that's right. Yeah, Kinesi movements. Okay. Okay. Cool. So yeah. the, the I mean they'll 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 tell you it's a in manufacture, but it's a Kinesi movement. It is a Kinesi movement. Now I, I'm always so confused by the Kinesi movement because I know Norcane uses them. I know Breitling uses them. So do you know what the deal is with that? Who owns Kinesi? Is it Tudor? So then... Kinesi is um, I think the majority ownership. There's a couple of brands who are involved, but the majority ownership is Chanel, as far as I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I think they um, they license these movements to a number of brands. Um, so and in fact, I think actually some of the Bell and Ross watches I think use Kinesis as well. Okay. Uh, but certainly some Norcanes do, um, and it appears in a lot of the Tudor models. So why? So I don't know much about this. Uh, so I don't. I don't want to really speak in terms of trying to be knowledgeable because I'm not. Um, why would Tudor say that they have an in-house movement when they're using a movement that's being used by everybody else? What makes them in-house? Well, um, I believe that Tudor certainly has a shareholding in Kinesi. So I think they they have a part ownership. So that um, makes it in-house just because they, they own a part of the pie. Understood. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so I guess that that's, yeah, so that probably okay. has, um, gives them license certainly to be able to say in-house to a degree. Um, Got it. But look, okay. I mean, in-house was something that that became very fashionable a few years ago. Um, to, you know, all watch brands wanted to be using in-house movements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not really sure, you know, how much weight it really carries. I'm not really sure. I mean, how do you feel about it? 
I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it because I mean, I mean, I'm very proud that Tudor has like an in-house movement, but when you really dig deep into this whole, what does in-house really mean? Right. Mm. It's almost like, it's kind of silly to say we're in-house, but Chanel, Brightly, Norcan, and possibly some other brands actually have the same movement just with different finishing. They don't have the rotor that says Tudor. And it's like, well, is it really in-house then? Because you own a part of it. Mm. Now, if you were to say Rolex has an in-house movement, that's a thousand percent true. Because I don't think any other brand out there has a Rolex movement in it, you know? So I don't know if in-house is the correct terminology but again i don't know it's almost like the whole swiss made thing where it's like well as long as 70 percent yeah. of the value is swiss then it's a swiss made watch it's like so just ignore the fact that all the other parts came from asia or actually yeah. 90 percent of your movement is made in asia but because the the components that you're putting in switzerland are more expensive to manufacture and you got to pay your employees more that actually makes up for most of the costs so really the movement is an overseas movement so who are you fooling are you fooling most of us but anyway all i know is that the movements in the tudor watch are pretty solid they're nice watches they're good movements and let's move into this tudor royal uh it's just it's not a watch for me i've i've been wanting to like it for so long and i just can't i just can't i i, I can't get with the dial i can't get with the oh, that bezel is it fluted is it not fluted I don't know. I think it's great value yeah. starting of $2,000, but it's an ugly duckling for me. How do you feel about the Royal? Yeah, I feel very much the same about it, actually. It kind of, again, it's it's almost neither a dress watch nor a sports watch. What um, is it? I, <laughs> I don't know what it yeah, is. I don't know what it is. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, again, the, yeah, the fluting on the dial seems, um, I don't know, look, I'm, you know, there's got to be a market for this watch. Um, but it's it just doesn't really do anything for me, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Moving on to the Tudor Black Bay. And this is the not the not the 54. This is just a Tudor Black Bay. It comes in 31, 36, 39, and 41. So there's a flavor and size for everybody. Now, what's so new about these watches aside from the movement? Because I'm looking at their website, everything says like new, new, new. Is it the Jubilee bracelet? That they that they introduced yeah so um yeah so it's dial colors um primarily um and i think they've introduced a jubilee bracelet as well with this one so i think that's um primarily what's new about this is a fixed bezel one it is it is a fixed bezel yeah yeah yeah. no not not the day one yeah um did the Um, prices go up i I don't know if you've i'm sure the prices have gone up (laughs) a little on these but I, i don't know have you ever handled these no fixed bezel tutors. No, I I, I have you know, not. Because... I've been I've been curious. It just I I never have, and I'll tell you why. It almost feels like it's a Tudor Black Bay fifty eight, if you will, but without the bezel, and it feels weird. It almost feels like it's missing something. I don't know. Mm. I might I might be in the minority, but with with these Jubilee uh, bracelets on it, and I'm sure they're not calling it Jubilee because they can't. Uh, it, it they look different. They they don't look yeah. so they don't mimic so much the fifty eight they look like kind of like their own thing but I I've no, never handled uh, one of these do you like them or I I would see these as being almost Tudor's version of the Explorer um, that's the kind of feel that I think it's got and in yeah. the flesh I have so or rather in the metal they 
handled really they are really really nice actually yeah okay um you know so yeah i think if you were in the market for an explorer but you didn't have the budget for an explorer then i think that this is a kind for me this would be a good substitute for that I don't disagree. Yeah, and and one thing, one trend that I'm that I am seeing in the watch industry is the prices are going up, and and that kind of it, it is frustrating in a way because you want to get people into this hobby, but you're making it that much harder, right? It's like it it it's very expensive. But I will say this: Tudor is very affordable for what it is because when you look at the prices of Rolex, they're expensive and you can't get them. But then you look at the prices of Tudor; they're relatively affordable, and you could actually get them. You know, so that's why yeah. Tudor is yeah. one of those brands that I I definitely love. But uh, okay, cool. I I I mean, they look different enough, I guess, yeah. with the bracelet and and the movement, uh, in the price. I mean, just to pick up on on what you were saying there, in the comparison between Rolex and Tudor, I sure. think the one thing that's important to say is that if I was going to be completely honest, you know, yes, you certainly get far better value from a Tudor, but the finishing and the build quality of Rolex is definitely another level right 100 yeah um, certainly in my opinion yeah i don't disagree with you i mean i i've seen the two and and there is a difference however is it a significant difference it's gonna ask for thousands of dollars more and i'll, I'll give you an example so black bay 58 you can pick them up for four thousand something right and you look at the two the rolex the mariner it's almost like nine thousand dollars so is the Delta yeah. in price, uh, is, is it justified in the movement and finishing? Yeah. That's a and great that's question. a decision that, that every individual has got to make, haven't they, yeah. for themselves? You know, for and, sure. And I'm with you in terms of that, that to me, that's not necessarily worth double the price or more than double the price in some yeah. cases. Um, you know, because... I think the it's it's what they call in economics. They call it the law of diminishing returns, don't mm-hmm. they? So sometimes you know the more expensive something is, the, the differences become smaller. Yeah, and, no, I agree. you know that's very much you know. So the difference between a, a four hundred five hundred dollars Seiko and a Rolex a Mariner is huge, but the difference in price between say a Tudor Black Bay fifty eight and a Submariner, the differences become much much smaller. Yeah, and. You know, to some people, that's really, really important. You know, some people think that it's certainly worth paying the extra money. Um, for me, less so, I guess. Um, but I'm not someone who is maybe quite as brand conscious as a lot of people in this hobby are. You know, so the brand on the dial, yes, of course, it makes a difference to me. Yeah. Um, but I still see Tudor as being a very credible brand. Yeah, for sure. So we're running into almost an hour of time and we still got two more watches to talk about and we didn't even talk about <laughs> all the other all the other people. So we do apologize. Oh, we could but... do this all night. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's let's quickly get into the Tudor GMT. I was uh Black Bay GMT. I'm a little disappointed. I like the dial color, the Opaline or whatever, but that's pretty much the only change, right? Other than that, it's, yeah. it's, it's that was that was lazy. That was just absolutely yeah, I think so. Um the Tudor Pepsi for me has so much potential. I owned one for a few months, the the black version, yeah. and I loved it, but it was way too big. It was way too big, mm-hmm. way too heavy. I was like, you know what? Once they bring this out in the 58, I am selling some pieces. I am borrowing money. I'm doing whatever I need to do to pick one up. 
and I was like, okay, this is a year. Uh, I had a little bit of money allocated, right? I was like, gonna see what Tudor released, and then I was a bit underwhelmed with the Pepsi. I was like, that's cool. It's it's kind of a throwback to the to the uh, Pepsi that uh, what was it, the Pan Am, the Albino, or whatever that was so right. rare. Yeah. So, how do you feel about this release? 100% with you. I think it was a slight lazy release. I think they could have gone so much further. Um, now, actually, I put a video out about this a few weeks before the show, um, but I've got a, a source who um, gave me a bit of a heads up on some of the forthcoming tube releases. And he was right about the changes to the Black Bay line um, and the um, the Black Bay, the, the fixed bezel and the dive watches and the information he gave me. Um, but he actually told me that he thought that Tudor were releasing a white dial Black Bay Pro. And that got me oh. really excited because I would love a polar dial version of the Black yeah. Bay uh, Pro. Um, now, I think I can only see he, he was obviously wrong about that unless it's coming later in the year. Um, now, it did make me wonder whether the information he'd seen, whether it was partial images or parts, I don't know. Um, but it could well be that he was what he was looking at was actually that white dial that was going into the GMT. Yeah. Um, but I think it's yeah, slightly lazy release. I would have loved to have seen them go a lot further. I think they should have. You know, the GMT gets a lot of criticism because of the size, because it's a very chunky piece. It's very thick and mm-hmm. it's a big bulky watch. It is. Yeah. For me, I would love to have seen them use the Black Bay Pro uh, case and movement and just you know kind of taking it down to thirty nine millimeters. Um, would have been slightly slimmer. Um, and I think that would have been a great release. Um, I think they've, for me, this is a little bit, yeah, I don't think they've done enough. I I agree. Yeah. So let's move on. Tudor 54, Tudor Black Bay 54. This was the hit of Tudor. I think it was one of the biggest hits of the show. And by the way, before we move forward, I'm so sorry, honorable, not honorable mention, but let's talk about the Black Bay um, the burgundy dial, the burgundy bezel, black mm. black dial, burgundy bezel, now offered with the rubber strap, the oyster, and the jubilee. And what's so interesting about this and remarkable, and I think this is where Tudor's going to shine and, and kind of beat the competition, is the meta certification uh, with with the movement. Uh, I, they made a big song and dance about the new facility having like a dedicated space for meta certification. I think once they move to meta certification for all their models. It's going to be amazing. However, the downfall is going to be that all the prices are going to skyrocket and Tudor is not going to be that affordable kind of, you know, brand anymore. It's going to be an expensive brand and people are going to be like, well, I mean, Tudor was cool for a while, but now they're expensive. Not everybody can afford them. How do you feel about that new release? I know they slimmed down the the case as well, right? It looks a little bit slimmer. People are losing their minds over it. People are buying this watch. I think it looks beautiful. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I think they, this was um, long overdue. Actually, I think a slight update to this design, and they've basically slimmed. They've they haven't slimmed the case off necessarily, but what they've done is they've they've increased the chamfers on the bezel, so it's not as slab sided as mm-hmm. it was. Right. So it's kind of a smoother, sleeker case, um, and I think that's very welcome, in my opinion. Um, I think the Metas certification, I think, is a great move. Now, Metas was something that was really only in the domain of Omega. So right. um, Omega were, I believe, involved in the development of the Metas standard. Um, and um, so the Seamaster, um, a number of their models are Metas certified. And so I think Tudor coming along and now 
using, you know, uh, making sure their movements are meta certified. I mean, they did it first in that black base ceramic. I've got that. Um, right. And that's one of my favorite watches in my collection. Um, but now to do it on the, the standard black bay dive watches, I think is a big move actually. Right. And I think that what they're doing is that they're now putting themselves up against the Omega Seamaster and they're saying, look, we're right. still, you know, more competitive on price, right, but right, we're right. matching you toe to toe on your specifications. Right. You know, and I think that is what that move is about. And one, one interesting thing to note is T-Fit. T-Fit across the board, I think it's game changer. I would love to have T-Fit in my Black Bay 58 because it, it, sometimes if it wears too loose, sometimes it wears perfect. And it's just having that T-Fit system definitely changes things. All right, cool. Black Bay 54. Um, wow. I mean, what a release. That, that I'm very, very surprised by that. That is a watch that I've been looking at. I've been staring at. I've been thinking like, huh. This is better than the than the fifty eight. Um, I think if it had the red triangle, it probably would do it for me. Um, on the on the loom pip, but it is a faithful recreation to their first dive watch, uh, the Submariner. I guess Tudor Submariner from nineteen fifty four. Thirty seven millimeter case, uh, very slim. They got rid of the gilt on the bezel. They got rid of the gold triangle on the bezel. The crown is different. It's a lot smaller. It doesn't because it, it's not a reference to the big crown uh, Submariner. Uh, how do you feel about this guy? And obviously, it comes in the bracelet and uh, a rubber. Right? They 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 offer both. That's I right. think it's a, it's a beautiful release. I think it's amazing. I think it's going to do well for them. This is a reference number. Uh, oh no, actually, it says the Black Bay Fifty Four is the most true to form example of Tudor's first dive watch. The reference number seventy nine twenty two. And yeah, it's 37 millimeters, man. So how do you feel about this? Starting off at on the bracelet, 38,000, uh, 3,800, I'm sorry, 3,850. And on the rubber, 3,625. How do you feel about this? Yeah, I think this is a great release, actually. What really surprised me, though, about this when I put a video out about this last week was that, um, so last year, Watches and Wonders, I saw a load of prediction videos where people were saying, when they came to Tudor, they were saying, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if Tudor, what we really want is a re-release of the original Tudor Submariner, the Oyster Prince Submariner, you know, and oh, it would break the internet and, you know, people would go crazy for this. Right. And this release, I almost feel kind of went a little bit under the radar. So, I mean, look, big Tudor guys like us, sure, we recognize what they were doing. And, and right. you know, Tudor make no secret about it. They explain it on the website that it's paying homage to that 7922. Right. Yeah. Um, but... The mainstream watch media um, and a lot of the, the posts I saw on social media um, about this release didn't reference that it was a homage or reissue of that original watch. And so in some ways, I think it almost flew a little bit under the radar. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It's um, very faithful in many ways to that 7922. Um, it's called the 54 because the 7922 was released in 1954 right. and right. was 37 millimeters as this one. Um, I really want this watch. I, you know, I, I don't have a Black yeah. 58. Um, but when I saw this, I thought, yeah, I really, I've got is it, this. Is there a reason burning. why? Is it, is it because it doesn't have so much gold? Is it because it's smaller? What, what is it? I think for me, the, I love watches that are, um, re, you know, reissues, recreations of historical pieces um that's why i love the monaco so much you know got a couple got of monacos yep. 
I love it because it's just, you know, it it takes you back to a different era. Um, and I think with a lot of the modern dive watches that, you know, even the kind of modern subs and things like that, yeah, of course, are based on watches from 50, 60, 70 years ago. But they they look and feel like very modern watches. Right. This one has that vintage appeal for me. It does. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really want to add this to the collection. The only thing I would say is that 37 millimeters is very small. I think 39 is the sweet spot for most people. And even though it is authentic of being 37 millimeters, my slight fear when I do get to see this one in the metal is that, you know, in all the pictures, it looks amazing. But when yeah. I actually put it on the wrist, is it going to feel too small? Maybe. I mean, look, I own the Explore One, and that's a 36 millimeter watch. And I can tell you with certainty that I could take off the Submariner, right? This is a 40 millimeter, the Rolex mm -hmm. Submariner, and put that on. And in my opinion, actually, it just. It it's so elegant when you put a smaller watch on. It just it's so elegant, man. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a big hit. I yeah, I but Miguel, you're you're not an old guy like me who has to wear glasses to kind of you know look at their cell phone and and you you know, you know uh, Simon, I'm actually uh, if you, if you don't mind talking <laughs> about age, I think I'm older than you. Uh, go on, then you go first. I so this August I'm turning forty. Okay, my, uh, this August I'm turning forty-nine. No way. <laughs> yeah, you're not. 49. Yeah, next year's a big five-zero. Forty-nine. Yeah, nineteen seventy-four. Sorry, serious? guys. This this took a, a turn for something weird. There's no way Simon. Is <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. I thought you were in your thirties, yeah. man. Well, the, the weird thing is, is if I shave off the stubble of the beard, I look about 15. <laughs> but, That's insane. But no, no, no. Yeah, so 49 in August. Congratulations. You look amazing. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's crazy. All right, cool. Wow. Uh, on that note, <laughs> so I don't I don't think we could go cover all the watches. We've already been uh, a little over an hour, but we could certainly have you back and maybe talk about once the dust settles, we could, we could definitely talk about some other releases. That awesome. Blue under the radar because it's not about uh, Rolex. It's not all about Tudor. If I'm if I'm being honest, I mean they're great watches, but there's some other amazing watches out there. Uh, before I let you go, I 100%. did want to give a shout out. We didn't do a wrist check. You're wearing the what? The Bell and Ross? What? What? So they've got the the Bell and Ross BR05. Okay, and it's the um, they call it the Skeleton Golden. This particular one. Cool. So right. this is one I've got in at the moment from Bell and Ross to do a video on, which is going to be coming out in the next few days. Very cool. Well, there's a reason why I'm wearing the Rolex Mariner. I was just going to wear something else, but I have it on this Fluco leather strap. Fluco, if you don't know, F-L-U-C-O. They're a company based out of Germany, and they are one of the very first watch, uh, watch bands brand that the, I found when I started watch collecting 10 years ago, something like that. And um, I own one. I've had it for years for my Speedmaster. And they are great quality for great prices. And uh, Whole Beans, uh, Whole Weans, I'm sorry, Whole Weans is a, is a seller. Then that's where you could actually buy them. And they actually sent this one and another one uh, for free for me to check out. And okay. I, I, I wanted to give them a shout out uh, because they've been uh, great partners of mine for a while now and uh 
they actually i'm trying to find them here on on instagram so i could give them a proper shout out i should have been prepared but of course i'm not uh whole beans fine watch bands let me see so you could find these guys at, at whole beans uh it's uh h-o-l-b-e-n-s fine watch bands on basically uh you can't see it but uh instagram and yeah they, they carry a bunch of different brands but fluco being one of them uh, so the only way you can buy Fluco, as far as I'm concerned, is either on eBay or through Holbeans. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think HolbeansWatchbands.com is their website. Go check them out. These Fluco straps, just to let you know, they're amazing quality and the price is not crazy at all. You would think these are like $100 or $100 and something dollar watch bands, uh, but they're not. I think they start off in the 30s. So they're they're okay. very affordable. They're very nice. Uh, yeah, thirty seven bucks, thirty seven. It looks great on that set. I mean, really, oh man, really it's good. amazing. There's this vintage kind of look to it, but mm. the leather man is just it's so good. I don't know how to explain it, Simon, but uh, I'll send you I'll send you the link so you could check them out. They start cool. off at thirty seven bucks. This one I think is like forty something. It's it's it it makes you really wonder why other companies <laughs> deluxe charge so much money for what they have i mean it's it, i think it's all marketing scheme if i'm being honest uh like that whole tiso prx right tiso prx is an incredible watch but i've been wanting to get a uh, rubber strap for it but i refuse to pay 160 dollars for a rubber strap i think it's ridiculous yeah. i think it's a monopoly and i cannot wait for tiso to release one at $50, $40 that could shut down the competition yeah. or so the other people go, oh, okay, yeah, finally they caught us. You know, we're, we're overcharging for these things. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Deluxe. I'm sorry, anybody else out there. I understand there's so much behind your brand and you talk about the, you know, the, the R&D that costs a lot of money and this and that. I get it, but it's to the point where, come on, bring the prices down a little bit more. But anyway, that is my rant for today. Mr. Simon, where can people find you, man? So you can find me on YouTube. So the channel is Escapement24, no spaces. And the same on Instagram. Cool. And uh and in blog to watch, right? You've done a few collabs with them. So go check out a blog to watch podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the blog to watch weekly podcast, yeah, that's out every Thursday. Um, so uh, I join the team um, often there, probably I guess maybe every three or four um episodes. Um, so you'll also be able to hear me on that too. Very cool. All right, cool. For me, it's SoCal Watch Reviews on Instagram, YouTube, and I do have a TikTok, but it's a, I don't, it, basically, I just recycle all my videos and just dump them there. I was trying to grow on TikTok, but it's very difficult because I thought it was I, you doing these crazy dances. So, was it all this kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah, it was, it, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> no, I, there was one video that I didn't post anywhere else where I was like in a, in a bathroom with my son and he, he thought it was funny and he's seven. He started recording me and I was, that, that was probably like the only silly video, but. Other than that, everything else is pretty much like reels of like the watches. And apparently on TikTok, people like to see people do silly things or do funny things. And yeah. when you put out more professional looking stuff, they just it, it goes unnoticed, if I'm being honest. But that's where you can find me, Simon. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Always a pleasure having you on. Uh, and, and yeah, go follow Simon. He has some amazing content. He's a he's a down to earth guy. He keeps it humble, which is something that I really do appreciate. And he's doing big things, collaborating with big brands. And I mean, he was in the About Effing Time Studios, which is super cool. I'm, I'm sure that was a cool feeling. Uh, so yeah, Simon, thank you so much for coming on, my, my friend. 
And everybody watching or listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I'm sorry we couldn't get to every brand. But uh, yeah, as always, my friends, uh, thank you. And uh, stay humble.